1: Hi everybody, welcome back to Packers Unscripted. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my trusted colleague Weston Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. We've been away from these desks for a couple of weeks, Wes, some different things going on. Our producer Marvin was gone, then I was gone. Now we are back. It's in the midst of OTA season here for the Green Bay Packers, and actually this is minicamp week, the mandatory minicamp. So We'll do another show later this week after a couple of the mini camp practices and give our impressions of uh, what we see out there on the practice field. But to this point, two weeks of OTAs are in the books. What are your impressions of these spring practices to this point?
0: Well, first and foremost, I love when you mentioned, you know, Marv was gone. He got to go to Jamaica. Yes. You got to go your, to Platteville. Your time,
1: your time off is coming. Your time you off is coming. got to go to Florida. <laughs> and
0: then I've just been here the entire time enjoying this wonderful spring we've been having in Wisconsin. Uh, no, but, you know, it, it was interesting. OTAs are always, uh, you know, there, There's there's little narratives you can draw from. There's little nuggets of information that you can glean. But this year is a little bit different than maybe any OTA I've ever covered, Mike, because of the amount of veterans that weren't here uh, during the first two that were open to the media. Historically, I think that's been something where a lot there was a lot of veteran turnout. The workout bonuses obviously are predicated on that. But we're kind of in that space right now after, not after, because I understand, I don't want to get people upset, you know, the COVID pandemic, all that still ongoing. But in terms of being able to have a physical off-season program again, uh, there, there's certain guys that have just wanted to train on their own and will be in this town this week for minicamp. So we've gotten to see a lot more younger players than I think we've seen in the past. We've gotten to see Jordan Love uh, leading this offense once again. And and really seeing how these rookies have been integrated a lot faster uh, into some of the first teamwork than what we've seen in the past. So in that way, uh, it's been very interesting to see a lot of those young players get opportunities that traditionally we might not have seen here during the offseason program.
1: Yeah, the thing that stood out to me that, that strikes me as a little bit different from, I guess you'd call it, the, the, the pre-COVID OTAs that, uh, yeah. that we used to cover um, in prior years is that th- so far, and we'll see if it changes this week during minicamp, but so far we haven't seen – really seen much eleven on eleven that is at full speed. Now granted there are no pads right now. Everybody For is sure. just in, you know, shorts, jerseys, and helmets. There is no pads, so there's no full contact. But they also aren't doing doing a whole lot of the eleven on eleven at full speed. And what I take away from that is is that Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff have decided that these these OTAs this part of the off season has been for learning. Not so much about competing, but it's about learning. It's 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 learning the playbook, learning the offense, trying to learn some of the nuances and, and whatnot at a slower speed so that when you do get potentially this week for a couple days in mini camp, but then even more importantly in training camp starting in late July, when things are going full speed the, the, the learning the learning stages have gone at a little bit slower pace so that hopefully there's there's uh, there's better retention, better understanding of things for when they really want to move forward.
0: Yeah, it's a really sharp observation too because I don't really recall in the past it almost seeming like the seven on seven period was more competitive than the 11 on 11. Uh, the seven on sevens is where we've probably seen the most. Uh, the fastest, you know, play speed with, between the receivers and the defensive backs uh, with the offensive linemen going off and doing drills on their own, uh, where the 11-11, 11-on-11 11, 11 11 has been more at more of a walk-through type tempo or, or jog-through jog type through, yeah. uh, tempo. So, that, again, Matt LaFleur will be the first one to say it. I mean, there is only so much you can learn from in terms of the competitive nature of this thing by, you know, making guys go out there without pads and, and just going through some of those emotions. But that being said, it is about the retention of this playbook. And Lafleur last week when he was talking with the media, the thing that was interesting about that second OTA is that was the first time they were putting in installs that these guys had never seen before. Uh, the week before during that first OTA open to the media, well, that one was some that, something that they had already run through for the majority of the rookies during the rookie minicamp. And then you're know, getting the used to lining up in the formations. Yeah. And, and really like the first chapter in any kind of history book or any type of textbook that you might have in school. So it'll be interesting when we talk to Matt LaFleur uh, at the time in which we're taping this tomorrow and uh, in, in hearing what he's going to say exactly about how these guys – took that information and really ran with it because it is there's a lot of young guys on this football team there's a lot of new draft picks there's a lot of you know undrafted free agents trying to make their mark and it's up to them to pick up that playbook as fast as they can develop their own process for absorbing all that information and putting it to practice
1: yeah it seems that uh from what we've been hearing from matt lafleur and from the coaches and whatnot there's uh there's definitely an onus on the players at this time of year, especially the young players, that uh, it's it's not just being there for the meeting and doing what you can on the practice field, but you do have to you know take that playbook home, do some homework, whether you're at the apartment or out at the hotel or wherever some of these guys are staying you know there there's some homework assignments that go to this if you want to if you want to keep up on things and not uh, not have the head swimming every day when you get into a new meeting and then okay here's a brand new offensive concept all right you know let's go well if you don't have the if you don't have the other stuff down or at least down to the to the point where where you don't have a whole bunch of questions floating around in your mind then adding new stuff um, becomes all the more difficult, and and it yeah. every every guy learns at his learns at his own pace, right? So uh, so that's the coaches are trying to get a feel for these young guys what they can handle, and eventually the those are the types of things observations that that decide okay what are the reps we're going to give this guy in training camp what packages what personnel formations is he going to be in because of what he's absorbed and what he understands the incentive is there to try to absorb as much as you can because that's going to lead to the reps and the opportunities that you get later this summer
0: 100 percent. and what was really the biggest question that people wanted to ask during this offseason program well aaron Rodgers isn't here right now how is that affecting the young players and then obviously Jordan Love getting a chance to run this offense with the starters once again. In, as he did last year. As at the, he did at this last time year when Rodgers yeah. wasn't present. So the the one thing that you brought up and we've talked a lot about is I, I personally, now that we've gotten a mini camp week, now that Rodgers is back in the building, uh, you know, absent just a couple appearances here or there, I actually think this has been a great way for these young guys to go about absorbing this thing. And not just the rookies, Mike. I think that's one other thing people talked a lot about is this, okay, getting the the rookies understanding the playbook. It's for Amari Rogers too. It's for, you know, even an A.J. Dillon, guys that are still new to this thing in the grand scheme of things, being able to really pick up not only the, the core principle of this, you know, this academia that Matt LaFleur is throwing at these players, but also the changes that are going to be implemented now that you don't have Devontae Adams, now that you are going to have, it's a new season with new concepts and a new take on things. That's why I'm really excited to see, you know, getting potentially Rogers back in the fold this week, seeing how he, he mingles now with this offense where you've had young guys now that have had a month, two months in this playbook to really absorb what they're, what they're trying to put out on the field.
1: Yeah. Well, minicamp is this week. So uh, what are you, what are your thoughts heading into This week, what are you going to be looking for out on the field? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is here. Other, some other veteran players. I think we're going to see as far as what we've been able to see, because, uh, because the media has not had access to all of the OTA practices. So I don't like to declare who's been here and who hasn't, because we don't exactly know that in terms of every day of the week. But I think we're going to get our first look at Sammy Watkins, uh, potentially, um, it, out on uh, out on the practice field here in in a Packers uniform, some other veterans perhaps that uh, that we haven't seen to this point because this is the one mandatory week yes. um, of uh, of the offseason season and uh, and presumably we'll hear from Aaron Rodgers uh, after practice as well and see what he has to say. And
0: this is going to be the funniest thing. Well, it will be great to hear what Rodgers has to say. You know, we haven't actually sat down with him formally and talked since anything has really happened this off season. so it'll be good to get his thoughts on you know the the grand big scheme of what the Packers are going through but the real story here is the Sammy Watkins of the world that we haven't talked to yet him coming in in year nine trying to show that he still has a lot left to offer a Packers offense in in perimeter receiving game that has really nobody set in a certain position they could go a number of different ways with you know the first guy on the depth charts or the eighth guy on the depth chart then you look at the defense Mike Jair Alexander is going to be here where is he lining up with this group how are they deploying that nickel package as much as rogers drives you know so many headlines and so much of the news around the packers we knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be here this year. It wasn't like last year where there were so many questions. So it's more about these veterans that we haven't seen before, these guys potentially stepping into a new role. What do they look like when you get out there for this mini camp? Because realistically, this is the closest you're going to get to training camp. and Not necessarily the padded stuff, but in terms of getting into the playbook, being able to get into the early installs. That that's personally what I'm going to probably be looking at the most.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Alexander, and I want to get back to him in just a second, but I will take care of some sponsor business here first. West Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 seven three sixty five. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs. We believe in better. All right, the biggest piece of news coming out of this building since we signed off a few weeks ago um, from Unscripted for a brief hiatus is that Jair Alexander has a new contract. He will not be playing this season under the fifth-year option. He has a long-term deal. He is in the fold multiple years here for the Green Bay Packers, and something that it's a great thing for Jair Alexander and his family. Um, we saw some photos and whatnot he certainly celebrated um, with uh, those closest to him but also you know creates a little extra cap space for 2022 yeah. for Green Bay because he uh, his cap number now is not that fifth year option number but really about half of that with the way the new contract was structured but and you mentioned it. How are the Packers going to line up these uh, these top three cornerbacks when you're talking about Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes? The big question, okay, you know who's going to play who's going to play the slot? You know we know the Packers are going to have five defensive backs on the field quite a bit. That's just uh, life in the NFL yeah. these days couple weeks ago we heard from, I guess it was maybe almost a month ago now, we heard from Jerry Gray, the defensive backs coach passing game coordinator on the defensive side, and he was asked the whole question about who's going to play the slot out of these top three cornerbacks and whatnot, and he didn't say it in so many words, but the impression I got from the answer that he gave is the Packers are going to go about this more with regard to matchups of which cover guy they want to match up against a certain receiver not who's lining up where it's going to be like hey 23 you've got him 21 you've got him and don't worry about where they line up just worry about guarding your guy that's that's what I took away from how Jerry Gray kind of danced around the whole question of who's going to play the slot quote unquote
0: and you know why you're right about that because you look last year how the Packers utilized Kevin King Kevin King had never played the slot before in any, like, substantial snaps during his time in Green Bay. He played both the nickel and the dime yep. by the end of the season, the inside positions. Uh, Jerry Gray even said it, too. If a guy can learn the outside, he's confident that same player can learn the inside. He doesn't make many qualms about, okay, well, does this guy's situation fit the best? That's not necessarily the case. Yes, Chandon Sullivan mostly played that role the past few years, but I think when you look at the makeup of an Alexander, of a Stokes, of a Rasul Douglas, I think all those guys have different attributes that lend themselves to play in that position. The most intriguing thing to me is the fact that the first time there was the thing for his first four seasons in the National Football League, you figured, okay, Jair Alexander's probably on the left side of this defense. That's the position that they, they've typically wanted to shut down. That's where they're going to keep him. The idea of Ja moving around more is the most intriguing thing. Will he spell or shadow the top receiver every single week? I don't know if that's even going to be the case. Right. But the idea that you can't just kind of pigeonhole them to one spot, I think is going to make this defense really dynamic. You look at why I think Joe Barry was so successful in year one, whether it was the cornerbacks, defensive line, linebackers, anywhere, he was very multiple with how he used his players. He liked using two inside backer formations with being able to play off potential blitz packages off of that. He liked being able to to bring up a Kevin King and a dime package late in the season and almost use him as a pseudo inside backer. He was very creative with how he used the personnel at his fingertips and with how deep this group is this season. That, to me, is what is the most exciting part. They brought back a lot of pieces. Yes, they lost to Darius Smith. I'm not saying that that's not a huge loss. But the amount of guys they brought back, Mike, compared to where I thought things were going to be at back in February, I'm blown away by the possibilities of the secondary and really this entire defense. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we talked about this actually when the season, when the season wrapped up last year. When we were talking about the possibilities, you know, of can you can you bring Rasul Douglas back? Like, is he still going to be around? And this essentially what will be the the Packers' starting nickel secondary of the three corners we're talking about: Alexander Stokes and Douglas. Put them in whatever order you want to put them in, and then the two starting safeties, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. That's a nickel secondary. That is a top five in that group. That that rivals what the Packers had. When Dom Capers first came in in 2009 and took yeah. over this defense, when he had Charles Woodson, Al Harris, Tremont Williams, Nick Collins, and then you know the the other safety it was supposed to be Morgan Burnett. He got hurt as a rookie, but then there was Charlie Pepper. There was Atari Bigby in that mix. But that you you really you have to go back that far in terms of in terms of that one through five yeah. of a nickel secondary and the the talent level, the depth of it. Um, now, where the Packers go with the depth at corner and safety beyond that, there's some sorting out to do there. Keyshawn Nixon, uh, you know, from from the Raiders, yeah. um, brought came over, kind of uh, you know, familiar with uh, with Rich Bisaccia and what uh, um, and what he's done on special teams, and and he would appear to be potentially a big piece of the special teams here in Green Bay. But he's going to be part of the cornerback depth mix, and you and then you're looking at you're looking at these young safeties like uh, like a Sean Davis or Tariq Carpenter who was uh, just drafted. How the how the depth beyond those top five uh, gets sorted out will definitely be something to watch as the summer goes along. But that group of five, that group of five is as good as talented as deep. As the Packers have had in a secondary in quite some time.
0: You can't do this thing on paper. Uh, Matt Lafleur said that as much last week, but he did talk about on paper it does look really good. Uh, not just the secondary at all three levels of this defense. You talk about, you know, the secondary being as deep as it's been since that '09, you know, 2010 teams. Same can be said for inside linebacker. Same can be said for edge rusher, maybe even more so. Yeah. Um, that it isn't just based on, you know, it's Clay Matthews. There's another potential guy there with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. The defensive front, Mike, this is the best defensive line on paper during my 10 years covering this team. When you factor in that they finally added a first-round pick uh, and then also being able to get Jaron Reed in here too. Um, you have massive defensive linemen uh, that, that are athletic. I mean, so – you have to play this thing out. I think really it just comes down to what you mentioned. It's this, can you keep this unit healthy? And that was the problem last year. Now, by the good graces of the football gods, they were able to find Rasul Douglas. Yeah. If you don't have Rasul Douglas maybe the season goes in a different direction when you lose Jair for literally the remainder of the, the regular season. Isn't
1: that just crazy though? I mean, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but no. when, we're, when we're looking at the the landscape of things here and we're talking about, you know, this this secondary and particularly this this top 3 cornerback group of Alexander Douglas and and Stokes and what the Packers are going to take into 2022 and, you know, if Alexander doesn't get hurt, Rasul Douglas never puts on a Green Bay Packers uniform. And not only that, now Douglas has a long-term contract of his own to go with Alexander's new long-term contract. Now these guys are potentially going to be playing together in that, in the, at that cornerback position for this Packers defense for multiple years. And, uh, and they never set foot on a field together until the playoff game, and it only last happened year. for
0: eight snaps. Yeah,
1: and it was only the eight snaps that Alexander played. It's just the way things can go, the way things can change week to week, you know, month to month, year to year. It it always it always fascinates me because uh, because last year at this time we were having a completely different conversation about yep. where the Packers were with their cornerback position, who they had, and then bringing in a first-round draft pick in Eric Stokes, and you didn't quite know how he was going to fit in. Now look where we are 12 months later.
0: Well, and I want to bring this stat up, too, before we move on. When we talk about, you know, Brian Gutekunst hitting on his draft picks, when you talk about him signing draft picks, I think one thing that's really gotten overlooked is the quality of free agents he's signed within those draft classes that aren't necessarily guys that were breaking the bank. And the case I'll make for you is the 2016 draft. Devondre Campbell, you add him now in with Kenny Clark, with Dean Lowry. You look at the 2017 draft, Rasul Douglas, now paired up with Aaron Jones. 2018, you're, you're looking at your Robert Tunyons as a fifth year guy, guy going into his fifth year now. Um, you know, the year before that, Alan Lazard is a fourth year player now along with Gary and Savage. They've found ways to augment this roster with really talented players that haven't come at a fortune. So, that's the key. As much as it's important to have Aaron Rodgers and and to have you know Pro Bowlers and All Pros and, and guys making plays all over the field, you have to be able to find diamonds in the rough too. The roster's too big. There's too many players. There's too many injuries. And that's one thing. Since Brian Gutekunst took over in 2018, he has been able to identify those players. With his personnel staff yeah
1: absolutely there's no question about it one other topic to touch on before we let before we go today because when we left last time it hadn't happened yet and I'm talking about the schedule release um, the schedule is out for 2022 week five is the game in London um, Packers have are scheduled for five primetime games um, if I were a betting man I would say there'll be at least one more that gets flexed into primetime to make it six. <laughs> For us here in uh, in 2022, but the schedule. Um, what uh, what were your what was your initial reaction? What were your first impressions when you saw it? Well,
0: my first initial reaction was I have a much different reaction to this than Matt Lafleur and Brian Gutekunst. I, I was thinking this is not a very good schedule in terms of how it lays out for the Packers, but as it turns out, it seems like Lafleur and and Gutekunst and the organization are actually okay with it. Uh, the week 14 bye to me is a really <laughs> really, really long time from the start yeah. of the regular season. But I think the Packers really liked it last year, having week thirteen. So um a year after having the latest buy they've ever had, they found a way to actually make it even longer yeah. this year. And their thinking is, is that, you know, they play the Giants so early in the season, they were just very Cautious about taking a buy that early now during an 18-week season.
1: Yeah, with the with the London game being in week five, the they were they were not in favor of taking the buy immediately after the London trip because that would be week six, and then you have to get all the way through week 18, then without a break, and uh, and so they did not request to have a buy after London. And uh, uh, what, what struck me about it not only. The, the, the full bye week not being until week 14. But the Thursday night game, which is sort of your quote-unquote mini-bye because you play on a Thursday night and everybody gets the weekend off, that's not until week 11. So when this regular season starts, with the London trip mixed in, the Packers are playing 10 consecutive weeks, then the 11th week being a short week on a Thursday night before you get any kind of a break. But the plus side on the back end of that is that you get the mini buy after that Thursday night game, and then a few weeks later you get your full buy. You have two significant opportunities for rest, recovery, recuperation in the back half of the schedule as long as you can you know, both health-wise, position-wise, yeah. record-wise, you can survive these first 10, 11 games before you get any kind of a break. If you get yourself in a good position there – then the rest, the recovery, the potential health of the team can be there for, for the stretch run because, uh, because, of the rest, uh, because of the rest being all pushed until later.
0: And something else I think that has really you know, kind of stood out to me throughout this entire process is we know the injury rate with the NFL. Guys get banged up. And if you can't avoid that, at least it's very difficult to, yeah, you might as well take this thing on the back end of it and give yourself the best chance as you get into December and January to get healthy. Uh, I you know, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Packers have any worse injury luck than what they had in 2021. I mean, that season in and of itself was right up there with what, 2015? I yeah. mean, they've had some bad ones, but I mean- Pretty close. 2013 when they had some awful luck. So, I mean, that that aspect of it, is something that you hope history doesn't repeat itself and it'll get better. Their ACLs were twice the number what the average is in an, in, a, in an, uh, you know, a season. So I think it's just that gauntlet to getting to December. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of mental toughness. But 17-game regular season is going to be a daunting challenge, Mike. We've said it since the day that they added that game to the schedule. 20 weeks, as Mason Crosby was even talked about last week, even for a kicker, that's taxing. So it's going to be, you know, a battle of attrition and the teams that are smart about it that can manage those waters the best ultimately they're going to be the ones at the end of the season standing tall.
1: Yeah, another another interesting element and we've seen this in the past although it wasn't the case last year when the Packers opened with the game in Jacksonville against New Orleans but this year you you only have the six division games right, two each against the Bears, Vikings and Lions. Well, Weeks one and two are division games. Yeah. Weeks seventeen and eighteen are division games. So four of your six division games are you know right out of the gate and then right at the end and then all those weeks in between you only have two division games yep. um, that are uh, that are spread out in there. It's just it's kind of interesting. It's interesting to me how that fell. But it, we had talked about it before with regard to the opponents on the schedule. I mean you're talking about going you know going to Buffalo, hosting Tennessee on a Thursday night, you're playing, um, you know, on uh, Packers knew they were going to be going to Miami, but now they know it's going to be on Christmas um, down in, uh, in South Florida. So just a lot of really interesting, a lot of interesting, you know, maybe borderline quirky things with the, with the way this schedule is, but now it's like, okay, there it is, it's all laid out, and and all Matt LaFleur cares about is week one against the Vikings, yeah. and he's not even going to talk about anything else, and and frankly, I don't blame him. No,
0: and, and that wasn't just a line of, of BS. I yeah. mean, He said, he's like, I don't even really know who's on the schedule for week two. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is to that level of specificity. The other thing I'll say, too, and I understand it, we're still going to get the questions, there's no way to avoid it, but when you have 17 regular season games, last year affirmed to me that I don't want any – valuable established veteran playing in the preseason to me aaron Rodgers has played he could play 10 more years i think he's played his last preseason snaps i agree they're I, I just totally too valuable with you and the people that come out and say well what happens if new orleans happens again then new orleans happens again right you can't, you can't, and what did that, what did that, what did that,
1: what did that blowout loss to New Orleans mean in the end? Absolutely nothing. Yep. The Packers got the number one seed in the NFC. So if they had won, if they had won that game or if they had lost a close one against New Orleans, it ended up having zero zilch, no yep. impact on the season whatsoever. Now, again, it's different this year because you're opening with a division opponent, sure. right? So there's a little bit, there's a little bit different feel in that regard. But I am to- but I am totally with you. It's a 17-game season. This thing, this thing is an absolute marathon. And and uh, I mean, I I sort of felt, you know, you mentioned 2015 earlier. I felt from the day that Jordy Nelson tore his ACL in Pittsburgh in a preseason game that that would be the last time that would be the last time that some that that the Packers would play their starters uh, for any sort of significant time in the preseason. It is simply not J- worth it anymore.
0: Jordy Nelson, absolutely. You know, the other guy doesn't get enough credit for this. Desmond Bishop changed the entire complexion of that young man's career in 2012. Who knows what Desmond Bishop would have accomplished over the next three, four years if he doesn't tear his hamstring basically off the bone. Out in San
1: Diego in a a preseason game. To me, it's not
0: worth it. Week one, week two, week three, whatever. People want to win a Super Bowl. Let's win a Super Bowl. I'm not not very concerned about being the champions of the September. You know,
1: so that's just me. I hear you. I hear you. Well, we will be back in a couple of days to talk about our observations from minicamp. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long. The rest of the offseason, we got all kinds of stuff for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.